Okay, let's start our discussion of this year's Parshas Vayechi, Tavshin Ayin Gimel. Tonight's here is L'Rufur Shalema, Avi Mori, Chaim Meir, Ben Sarashendo, L'Rufur Shalema. Um, okay, the beginning of the Parsha, as we know, is closed off, as we will talk about. There is no usual space in the beginning of Vayechi, as there is at the end of uh, other Parshios. But we'll start off more with a general thought. Vayechi Yaakov, we know Yaakov lived in Mitzrayim for 17 years, Altogether, the Torah tells us, Sheva Shanim Ba'arba'imu Ma'ashana, 147 years. And if we think about these 17 years, these were the best years of his life. There were no troubles, no travails, no pains. He was sitting, his children, his grandchildren, there was no Esav, there was no Lavan, there was no Shechem, there was nothing. He was sitting, it was wonderful, wonderful years. The best years of his life. We hardly know anything about them. Right at the beginning of the, beginning of the parasha, he's going to die. He's on his deathbed. We hardly know anything about what took place during those 17 years. And if we think about it, if those 17 years were the best years of Yaakov's life, shouldn't we hear about all of his, uh, everything he reached, and all of his asagos and everything he did during those years, the first 130 years were full of tsaris. They were full of difficulties. Full of, full of, uh, like Rashi quoted on last week's Parsha. Right, he said, I've had enough already. Right, uh, the, 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 the Rashi, the emotionally laden Rashi, that really was not in last week's Parsha, but in two weeks ago's Parsha, when Yaakov finally agrees, because he has no choice, to send Binyamin down, and he says... He davins, let me just find the Pasuk, he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should watch over you and make sure, V'kel Shakai yitain lachem rachamim. Kel Shakai should give you rachmanis ben yamin. Shakai, Rashi there, Perak Mem Gimel Pasuk Yadalad, one of the most, again, emotional Rashis that one could find. Umedrasho, why does he use that Lashon of Shakai? Misha Amar Olam Dai, Hashem, the one who created the world and said, die enough, Yomer Dailit Sarosai, should be should say enough to my Tsaris. Shaloshakatati minu Urai. I have not rested since my youth. Saras Lavan, Saras Asav, Saras Rachel, Saras Dina, Saras Yosef, Saras Shimon, Saras Binyamin. You think about each of those stories as heart wrenching. A, ch- a child, a spouse, whatever it is. And Yaakov finally, the last seventy years of his life, none of them. It's finished. We don't know anything about those years. Says Rav Hirsch, two Rav Hirsch's tonight. Says Rav Hirsch, where it's underlined. We should have expected all the more to find the relation of them to be brought into prominence by starting with a fresh chapter. We don't even have Parak Aleph. Okay, the, the Prakim might not have Jewish sources for the Prakim, but either way, he says, But this is a, this is a Hemshuch. You don't even get a new... You don't even get a, a, a psicha. There's no even se- new section. It's all sasum, like Chazal say. What's the message? But the fact that this is not the case teaches us that through these 17 years, certainly are to be reckoned with the rest of his life, nationally, they form the lesser important part of it. Just because life is easier doesn't mean it's more significant. And doesn't mean from the view upstairs one accomplished more. It was rather the troubled years of his life in which the test had to be gone through in the midst of the bitterest fate of a Jacob to be worthy of acquiring the name of Israel. 
that were those in which Jacob won his everlasting national importance to which the 17 years, that was just a happy, rewarding conclusion. In other words, life's not about the easy, life's not about the relaxation and the retirement and everything building up to the retirement so I can have those 17 years of relaxation. That's, that's the afterthought of life. That's not, that's not the meat and potatoes. The crux of life sometimes, Rachman al-Islam, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu deems it fit, are going to be difficult years. But that's what made a difference and that's what laid the groundwork for the entire Jewish, Jewish history. The entire, which Yaakov Avinu is the prototype and we're named after him. Am Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael, not because of those last 17 years but for all the 130 years where we had the difficulties, but he overcame and he stayed true to Titan Emes Lyakov during all of those years. That's Rehersh. The bumps are part of, part of what, what uh, part of our life. Vayichi Yaakov, let's get back to the first pasuk, as we're talking about. Yaakov lived, as we know, 147. Rashi starts off, Why is the beginning of this parsha closed off? We don't have the regular amount of spaces between the end of Vayigash and the beginning of Vayechi. So why is that? Loma Parsha Stuma. And this is a Kabbalah that goes back to Ezra earlier, the Stumos and the Psuchos. So why is it? Lefi, Rashi quotes. Tupshatim. Lefi, Shekiva, Sheniftar, Yaakov Avinu, Nistamu, Eneyem, Belibam, Shal Yisrael, Mitzaras Ashibud. Once Yaakov Avinu died, and he's about to die, then the eyes and the hearts of B'nai Yisrael started closing. Shehitzchilu l'shabdam. It's closed off as if, as if his eyes are closed. Yaakov was closed, Yaakov started, was nifter, so he was closed off, so that started the Shibud when eyes, our eyes and our hearts were closed off. Let's read the second Rashi, or second half of the Rashi. We'll get back to that. He wanted to tell Am Yisrael when Mashiach was going to come, what was the exact uh, destiny of Am Yisrael, what, when the Geula was going to happen, but it was taken away from him. And that was closed off. And as a remise to that, Vayechi is closed off. It's the Shem in the fifth Chelek, in Chelek Hay, quoting the first Rashi, we're going to focus on the first half of the Rashi, and then the next source we're going to focus on the second part of the Rashi. Similar ideas. But as we know, Rashi, the Shebud started. The question is, did the Shebud really start yet? Yaakov died. The Shvatim was still there. Yosef was still second in command. Okay, there are hints in the Psukim that things weren't exactly as they had been a couple of years earlier. But did the Shebud start yet? Could we call it that? Already at the beginning of next week's parsha, it's a different story. Yosef's right, Yosef's died. There's a different story there. But now Yosef is still alive. So ask for the Sheminatov. What does Rashi mean? Yaakov died and the Shebut started? Move on to Pirish Hadvar, line three. Da'afalpi shalohishabdum be'emes. Even though the Sheba didn't actually start, there was something in the air. They felt something. They couldn't verbalize it yet. 
It wasn't even conscious. They didn't even realize it, but there was something different. They couldn't put their finger on it. Dahainu ha'ayin ro'eh v'halev chomeid v'kli ma'isim gomrim. As Chazal tell us, first there's something in the eye, then in the heart, then it comes to fruition, into action. Many times in history, there's something that's going to happen, and we sense it. There's a sense we can't we can't explain it. We can't explicate, we can't formulate what's going to be, but there's something in the air. There's something about certain historical events. Something occurs and the rest of the people that are still around feel it. Something's wrong here. I, I don't feel comfortable here. And he says, In our generation, before Hitler did what he did, there was a certain sense. You read the writings of the Meshachachma even earlier. But, but you read certain Svarim. As we say, the writing is on the wall a little bit. But, but nobody could formulate it. We couldn't, we couldn't explicate it. We couldn't verbalize it because then everybody would left. But we sensed something. There was something. There was blood in the air. So many times in history, especially before a tragedy, there's a sense in the air. Again, not always. Sometimes it's totally by surprise. But many times, in hindsight, one can see the process. And even while it's taking place, and that's hinted to by the only parsha here that at the beginning of the parsha there's no space. Why? Because what space usually for you to have time to think about it and, and deepen your sense of what's going on and formulate it? Here it's not going to happen anyway. It's too early. It can't be formulated. Usually space is given. When it's a sense, you can think about it all day. I'm not going to be able to concretize it. You know why? Because I can't even understand it. You can only, for, you can only concretize and formulate what I really understand. That's why it's hardest whenever you have to teach something. If I have to give a chabura, if I have to give a shear. I'm going to know the material much better than if I just learn it myself. Because if I have to give it over to someone, then that requires formulation and verbalization, which is a reflection of a deeper understanding. So here, if it's just a sense, I don't really understand what's going to happen. I just have a sense of it, so I can't verbalize it. That's why it's sasum. Because you might as well, you can't, might as well not think about it. The rebach that's usually given the time for contemplation would not here be fruitful anyway. V'chein l'halana gives another example. Nemra Moshe Rabbeinu. Next week's parsha. Moshe Rabbeinu goes out of the palace. Vayar b'sivlosam. He sees Bnei Yisrael, the downtrodden state they're in. But he doesn't really do much about it right away. He sees an event and then he'll take it into his own hands. But the first is the, is the recognition, the yar, as Rashi quotes there. Nasan eno v'libo lios meitzer alehem. His focus is on them. It, he doesn't sink in yet until afterwards, a little bit later, 
as he sees more and more of the story begins to unfold. So then already, one can concretize it and, and formulate it. He even says in the continuation, a little bit we spoke about this last week, that could be the relation, a difference between Yosef and Yehuda. A little different than what we said last week. Yehuda and Yosef symbolize different elements. Next paragraph. This chilek that we're talking about, that first there's an internal recognition that I can't even understand and, 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 and explicate, and later there's the outer force and the outer actions that are clear. He says, Yosef and Yehuda, throughout their lives, Yosef was the hidden one, and Yehuda was the open one. What does that mean? Yosef utsafnas paneach, even his nickname. He uncovered the hidden. Where did Yosef make a Kiddush Hashem? In private. Asia's Potiphar, it was in private. In the jail, he was Makadi Shem Shemayim. Who saw him out on so many different places? Ultimately, he was made to be a public figure. But Yosef, his, his challenges were internal. His challenges were Beseser. Vakot Safun Betoch Libo. Masha'enke Yehuda, who moda al ha'emes. Yehuda is very public. Sad kamimeni. He's moda. He's the symbol of tshuva, of sinning and overcoming. Sad kamimeni v'huba galu la'en kol. He says that's Yehuda symbolizing the hidden and then the later the open. Maybe that's the difference, he says, between Yosef and Yehuda. And then he says beautifully, in the name of the Sfas Emes, maybe that's what we say every morning. La'olam yehei adam yirei shamayim. We should always be Yereshamayim hiddenly and openly. Next phrase. And Said this Fasem is each of those phrases parallel to what we just said. To be a Yereshamayim Beseser Uvagalui. And then Modal Emes, that's Yehuda. He was Modal Emes. He's the Galui. And Dover Emes Bilvavo inside. He stays true to himself. That's Yosef who always, who's always hidden. The Gemari doesn't quote it, but the Gemari even says, right, the Bnei Yosef are not subject to Ayin Hara. The Gemari says in Brachas and elsewhere, because they're covered, they're hidden, they're like fish. They're like fish. So that's why, that symbolizing the hidden, but either way, that's Yud and Yosef, but the main part that we're focusing on is, is the first half, and that is the recognition inside without being able to, to verbalize it. Okay. That's on the first half of the Rashi. But now we have the second half of the Rashi. Second half of the Rashi said, He wanted to tell everybody, wanted to reveal what was going to happen in the days of the, in the future. And he didn't. It was taken away from him. Very similar Rashi we have later on in the parsha in the beginning of Perek <coughs> Memtes. Beginning of the brachas. Vayikor Yaakov Abana, by Ravii. Vayomer Yaakov says, Hey, Asvuve, Agidalachem, gather round. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. They all knew that Yaakov was going to die. We spoke about it in past years. That Yaakov was the first person in history to get sick before he died. The Pirkei Derbalazar says that Yaakov davin to Hashem. I want to get sick before I die. Because up until that time, the Pirkei Derbalazar says, we sneezed, and that was it. person sneezed in the shuk, and he dropped dead. That's why we say, God bless you, after a sneeze. 
Or Gesundheit. Why? God bless you because it used to be before Yaakov Avinu, you sneezed and you dropped dead. So that's why we say God bless you as a remnant the Perky Lazar. I don't know what the secular sources say, but that's what the Perky Lazar says. But the... So Yaakov Avinu was on his deathbed and he says to his children, gather around, I want to tell you what's going to happen at the end of days. And then we read the rest of the Parsha and we don't have Geula. We have the future, but we don't have Geula. Says Rashi, the same thing over there. Bikesh legalos es case. He wanted to reveal the end of days. Then his menu shchina, and Hashem took the shchina away from him. Vehischil omer dvarim achirim. And he started to say other things. Right, this is the Gemara in Pesachim. He thought it was because of his children. So he says, is there a non-believer? And they say, Shema Yisrael, listen. Hashem, Yisrael, right? Our father, Yaakov. Hashem we all believe. And he says, Barach Shem Kavot. Okay, that is the, that's so the same Rashi. Beginning of the parsha, in the middle of the parsha, he wanted to stay over the gates, and it was taken away from him. Says the Chai Olam. Says Rabbi Steinzalt in his Sefer. I just gave you bits and pieces of the of the of the article, but the following idea: maybe it wasn't a punishment. It wasn't. I shouldn't say punishment. Maybe it wasn't something that was taken away from him that he was going to say. And he didn't end up saying. But maybe he couldn't. He wasn't able to express what was going to be at the time of the Geula. What does that mean? Let's read it. He quotes Yaakov Korelabanov. He quotes the Rashi later on. And he quotes that Yaakov did, what does Rashi say? He said, Dvar Macherim. He said other things. So he did tell the future. He spoke about each Shevet. What was going to be certain, certain allusions to the Shoftim and to Nevi'im? There was future spoken here by Yaakov Avinu. So what happened? Yaakov only lost partial Ruach HaKodesh? He, lost, he couldn't see so far in the distance. Only, only a couple thousand years. That's what happened here? If Hashem took it away, take it away. I don't know anything in the future. But yet he still talks about the future, just not the Geula, not the ultimate. So what happened here? Says Rebbe Steinsaltz. Madua, yeah, second word says B. Madua Yaakov, lo yachol, agalo says akates. Why? Kisha adam tsarich lesaper, al dvarim va'amatsavim, ve'inyanim, shein pachot o yoter betchuma asaga shalo. When a person has to describe something that's going to be in the future, but he understands it, or to describe anything, not the future. I have words to describe it. If I want to describe to you something that happened, I can tell you what happened. Because I have the kalim, I have the vocabulary to express it, and you have the intellect to understand what I'm saying. So that applies to almost everything in life. But Yaakov is about to describe Achris Hayamin. He's about to describe Geula. So he starts and then he realizes I have no words to describe Geula. I have no way, I have no vocabulary and they have no asaga of what I'm going to be talking about. Because it's, it's beyond our intellect. It's beyond our capabilities to know what's going to happen La he started and then he stopped. 
Somebody who Rahman is, is blind from birth, how can you explain to him what something looks like? You can't. You can try your best, but he, he's just not going to get it. Because he's, it's beyond his capabilities. Try to tell somebody who's colorblind the difference between blue and green. It looks the same to them. It's exactly what he's talking about, the same color. Right, if you give us a, if somebody who has color, this red, red and red, two halves of the picture, uh, you see the difference? No, I don't see the difference. They're the same thing. I can explain it and try to, try to convince you until, from today till tomorrow, it's not going to work. Because it's beyond my capabilities to express it and to, to, to absorb what is being told to me. Next paragraph, so we could say, when I try to bridge a, a gap, a qualitative gap, trying to describe something that I've never experienced and the listeners have never experienced, it's, 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 worth, it's fruitless to try to express it. How can I describe it? How can I speak about it? There's no answer. There's no answer. He gives another dogma. Dogma ledavar. Describes the Maisa Merkava. We read it. We don't know what it means. We know what it means on the, on the surface. A chariot, different types of animals, and, and how many ofanim. We, have, we read it. We have no idea what it means. And that's why we're not allowed to darshan it in, in public, the Mishnah says in Chagiga. Yechezkel wrote it. He meant something. But we can't, we can't fathom. With every little detail. Well, we can't. We, can, we can't figure it out. We could try, but we can't. And there are many examples of this that he gives throughout the, throughout the Torah. Sometimes, he says, there is a generation that makes us be able to imagine things that used to be beyond our capabilities. We mentioned a couple of months ago, I think it was in the summer, right? The telephone. Imagine you're on one side of the world and you're sitting on the other side of the world. Something that would have been unfathomable. But now we understand it more. Or the Rambam describes in Pirush Mishnayis. It's an unbelievable line of the Rambam. In his Hakdama to Pirkeyavos, he writes about amazing things that people dream about that that'll never happen. It's so crazy. And one of them he writes, like metal tins flying through the sky carrying people. The Rambam says it. Unbelievable. 800 years ago. So there are some things that, be, that are beyond our saga, even though every generation, he writes in the bottom paragraph, but says Rabbi Steinsaltz, when we start talking about Geula, when we start talking about what's going to be when Mashiach comes, it's something that we have to yearn for. It's something that we have to believe in. It's something we have to know that it's going to be unfathomably rich and enjoyable and the destiny of, of the entire world. But we can't describe it. And we can't put it into words. And that's why nowhere in the Torah Shebich do you have descriptions. 
Right? One of the major problems that some, some uh, heretics have is, oh, so why isn't Olam Haba described in the Torah if there's another world? Let me see it. How could he describe something that we, we can't even fathom? We could believe, we could logically try to go through that there has to be, there has to be a higher purpose than the physical mundane world that we live in, but we can't describe it because we're not capable of, of being collate and accepting and, and understanding that that's what happened to Yaakov Avinu. It wasn't just nistalik mimenu because Hashem didn't want everybody to know to know when the Geula was going to be and therefore they wouldn't yearn for it. Oh, it's not coming for a thousand years. Forget it. No. Because he started thinking about Geula and then he says, how can I describe this? Whether he saw it by Ruach Kacho, but he knew his children wouldn't know, whatever it is, but I can't describe it. And therefore he had to leave it unsaid. Finishing up in the last paragraph where I wrote D, now on the next page. Like the Rambam says at the end of Mishnah Torah, in Sefer and Hilchas Malachim, all of these descriptions that people have about what's going to come first, Yimosa Mashiach and Olam Haba and Tchisa Mesim, the Rambam says, we don't really know until it happens. And it doesn't bring to Yerushalayim or Avas Hashem studying these. We just have to believe, the Rambam says, that it's going to happen and it's going to be unbelievable. So halavai it should be, but we can't formulate it or fully understand it. And that's the deeper meaning, what happened with Yaakov Avinu. It wasn't taken away from him, but he just realized that he had nothing to say. Vinistamimenu might just mean words were closed off from him. Vehicles of expression were closed off from him. That's how he would read the Rashi. Nistam mimen. Next. We continue. Now, Perak Memches, heading towards Chazak Chazak. Perak Memches, Pasach Hay. The Torah tells us Yaakov Avinu is with Yosef and his grandchildren. As we have mentioned before, also Yaakov Avinu is the first person in history that we know of, at least um, at least Jew, first Jew in history that has a relationship with his grandchildren in Torah Shabbat Avram, we don't have in Torah Shabbat has any connection to Yaakov. Yitzchak to the Shvat Yitzchak was alive. Rashi says that he was he was also in on not telling Yaakov. But either way, it's not in the Torah Shabbat Yaakov Avinu was with his grandchildren. He gave them brachas vechul. So the pasuk says. Vayomer Yaakov Yosef, Kel Shakai Nira Eli Beluz Beres Kanan. Vayavarach Osi, Hashem appeared to me in Eretz Kanan, and He blessed me. Vayomer Eli, and He said to me, Hidani Mafracha Vihirbisicha. Hashem promised me that I'm going to be a great, multi- I'm going to multiply, I'm going to be a huge, tremendous nation. Unisaticha Lekahalamim. And he will give me, and I will make you, God says to Yaakov, to a great nation, I'm going to give you Eretz Yisrael. So what does Yaakov says To Yosef, right? He's about to start this, this whole ceremony. Yaakov says to Yosef, Hashem appeared to me in Eretz Canaan. He told me I'm going to have a big family. He told me I'm going to get Eretz Yisrael. And now, and now I'm ready to give brachas to your children. What's that word, viata? It's, it seems to be based on what was just said, based on everything that I've told you, now I'm ready. 
What's the connection between Pasuk Gimel and Dalid going into Pasuk Hay? Hashem appeared to me. Again, he said two things. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you multiply. And I'm going to give you Eretz Yisrael. And now I'm ready to give brachas to Ephraim and Menashe. What exactly does that, is that telling me? What is the vi'ata? Says, I'm sorry, I skipped the Torah, uh, I skipped the number six, five and six are misnumbered, so we'll do, we'll do it out of order. Vi'ata, so what is vi'ata? Two thoughts. First, we'll do the words of the Meshachachma, then we'll do the words of Rav Hirsch. Then we'll come back to the, uh, the other source. Says the Meshachachma Viyata. So he, the Meshachachma, does not deal with the issue previously said of the whole... Actually, he does a little bit. Let me take that back. Let's just read his words. Pirish. What's the Pirish of Viyata and now? I'm making Ephraim and Menashe into Shvatim. Shashem iftiach lo shi'itin haaretz azot lazarach huzas olam. Eretz Yisrael was going to give it to me and I'm going to give your children, Yosef, to Chalakim. Ulam. Ephraim u'manashe ka'et hainu bizman hazeh yiyu kiruvein v'shimon. Ata means now in olam hazeh. They're going to get two portions. Avo bivo ha'goel ha'acharon yiyu la'achadim. But based on the Pasuk in Yechezkel, lo'asilavo, Ephraim u'manashe are going to be back together because Levi is going to get a chilek. In Yechezkel, the Gemara describes in Mesechaz Baba Basra, that they will be joined again. Yosef will be one in the future. Only now. That's the vi'ata. And now, in this world, in Olam Hazeh, the Pazak says in Yechaskel, only now your children will get a double portion. Okay. Classic Meshachachma, putting Chazal into the Torah Shevich One idea. But Rav Hirsch, second Rav Hirsch of the evening, goes a little further. And he asks another question. He says, What did Hashem promise Yaakov? I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you multiply. I'm going to make you multiply. How many more Shvatim did Yaakov have? Says Rav Hirsch in source number seven. Line three, line four. Now, it seems to us hardly thinkable that this could lie in the fact that Jacob, Yaakov, on his way home, was given the promise. He had 11 Shvatim at the time. Remember, on his way back from Laban, when he receives, when he receives this promise from Hashem, I'm going to make you into a great nation. So, he had 11. So, he's going to get how many more? Binyamin? And maybe one split into two. If you have a family of 11 children, and then you get three more, does that mean, wow, you're really multiplying now? You're going to become so large, you already have 11. That Lushan doesn't seem to fit, asks Rafersh. That this was to mean that the increase in his family was only to occur through Binyamin, Ephraim, and Menashe? Somewhat unusual. For if a family circle that already consists of 11 sons, such an increase can hardly be reckoned as appearing so important that it would be announced by God as, Thanks God. Give me like 22. He already has 11. So what was Hashem promising him? And Yaakov here is, re- is repeating the promise to Yosef as an introduction to making Ephraim and Menashe into Shvatim. Ephraim and Menashe into Shvatim. Yuli. So what is the introduction? What's the Vyatai now? And what's the Vini Mafrecha Vyir Bisicha? 
Says Rav Hirsch. He doesn't ask this question, but he's answering it, so I'm going to ask it. Why did Am Yisrael have to start off with 12 tribes? What do we shvat them for? We were doing fine with the Avos. Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. Okay, you want to start branching out? Make two, then four, then do it symmetrically. All of a sudden, Am Yisrael, before we went into Mitzrayim, that was the bir- our birth, we had to become 12? We had to split up? What did we need that for? Why did Am Yisrael have to start with 12 Shratim? It's such a basic question. Says Rav Hirsch, because the definition of an Am, the definition of a nation, is diversity within unity is for every single person to have their own kochos and talents and personalities and strengths, but all be Obdi Hashem. And somebody could be a lawyer and a doctor and a businessman and an Indian chief and a fireman, whatever he is, but they're all Obdi Hashem. And they're all bound together by the same dream and the same goals. Let's read it. Rather, as we have indicated above on the verse, Kahal Goyim gives this nation in general the characteristic mission that in spite of their being united into one completely similar body of men, by their all having the one common spiritual and moral mission and outlook on life, they are nevertheless to consist of a diversity of tribes. The nation is to represent agriculture as well as commerce, militarism as well as culture and learning. What's this whole Parsha about? You read the Brachos. Every Shevet excelled in a certain area. Therefore, as a model nation, factually, to establish the truth that the great personal and national calling which God has revealed, His Vahulu, but that the whole of mankind in all its shades of diversity can equally find its filling into one common calling, into the one common spiritual and moral mission and outlook on life, Vahulu Vahulu. And that's why Eretz Yisrael is divided into Shvatim. And I need two more in order to fill out the picture. What is That's not talking about quantity. That's talking about the quality of each and every Shevet having different... I'm going to multiply your personalities. You're going to have... Everybody's going to be different. Everybody's going to have a different koach. That's the message of That's the promise that Hashem gives to Yaakov Avinu. That all of, his, all of his children will have different kochos. And with that, that's what Yaakov introduces to Yosef. I need two more. I need to fill out the picture. Because I need shifteka. I need the twelve. In order to make a complete unit. That's why Am Yisrael had to start off with twelve shvatim. So that the message forevermore for all of history is no matter who we are. No matter what kochos we have. We could be an Eved Hashem. Right, if everybody was the same thing, okay, they're over the Hashem, but but I'm not. You know, everybody gets to Hakadosh Baruch Hu and whatever they're doing. We mentioned five years ago the thought from Mori Barabi of Rosenzweig, who describes why the whole story of Avram and the Kipshana Asia is not described in Torah Shabbat Why is that such a such a major event? Avram thrown in. Rosenzweig explained because he was the first Jew and he got to God in a certain way, but Hashem didn't want to limit which way a person could get to Hashem. He didn't want to write it. Because that was the first Jew. We would think, oh, he did it intellectually, he did it in this way, and now he figured it out. No, everybody gets to Kodesh Baruch Hu based on their own kochos and personalities. So it's hidden. 
The first year we don't know, Jews get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's, that's the message here. Mafrachav, here b'sicha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me that promise, everybody's going to be different, that's how the Jewish nation needs to be built, so now I need two more. Ephraim and Manasha, Kiruvain v'shimon, yihiyu li. Okay. Let's go back now to the previous source that I skipped. Source number six should have been four. Should have been the, should have been the previous source. I had four already. That should have been should have been before five, six, and seven. Should have switched. Okay. Anyway, getting back to the previous pasuk, Perak Mem Zayin, Pasachavtes. Back to the beginning of the parsha. Second pasuk in the parsha. Yaakov lived in Mitzrayim again, one forty-seven. And he calls to his son Yosef, Ayomer, Swear to me, Yosef. Do Chesed and Emes for me. I'll not take Rani in Mitzrayim. Don't bury me in Mitzrayim. As Rashi quotes, the different reasons why he did not want to be buried in Mitzrayim. But let's focus for a moment on Chesed Emes. Do for me Chesed Emes. Rashi quotes Chesed Sheosin Im Hamesim. Who chesed shel emes? Chesed emes here means, says Rashi, it's a chesed of emes, the ultimate true chesed. She'eno mitzape with tashlum gemol. No reward is expected. Burying someone is called chesed shel emes. Many chaver kaddishes are called chesed shel emes societies. Chesed shel emes. That's what we know. That is the Misa Kfura, simple interpretation, because you don't get anything in return for it. Chesed Shalemis is the altar. Every Chesed, every other Chesed, I, I visit you today, so you're going to visit me tomorrow. I'm going to the store for you today, you're going to go to, to the store for me tomorrow. But this is the only one. Two questions. Ask the Siach Yitzchak. It's quoted here in the Torah Ladas, in one of his volumes. Question number one. Is this really Chesed Shalemis? I have nothing when a person buries somebody. They ha- they're not thinking of anything in return. But the Gemara talks about it in Moikatan. The Gemara says, Whoever properly takes care of others will be taken care of. If somebody's maspid and eulogizes somebody properly, then they'll get a proper eulogy. If somebody buries somebody, they'll be buried. So why is that chesed shalemes? It's not chesed shalemes. I, people, we do get something. We act properly, so people will act properly to us. So we're not going to get something from back from this guy. You're right. This guy is finished. Not finished, chas v'shalom. But this guy cannot do anything back for me. But society can. So why is that, why is that called chesed shalemes? Number one. Number two, but what about in life? What about if I do something nice to somebody who I know will never do something nice back to me? He'll never. Let's say Rahman al-Islan. You know, somebody's uh, severely handicapped. And I do something for them. And unless there's a nace, I know I'm not getting anything back. I know. Or let's say I know there's somebody who is his personality. He's never going to do anything for me. Even though I hope nature changes. There could be other chesed shel emesses. If I know that I'm not getting anything back, what if I do something in private without anybody knowing? So again, nobody's ever going to find out about it. Why is burial the only chesed shalemes? There are other examples. So we ask two questions. Number one, why is burial a chesed shalemes? You do expect something in return. You want people to bury you. And number two, there are a lot of other chesed shalemes. 
Right? If I do something to somebody who I know is never going to do something back for me, or I do something in private. Says the Siach Yitzchak, a very sharp answer. He says, read Rashi again closely. What did Rashi say? Rashi does not say that we're not going to get rewarded for burial. Rashi says, Chesed she'osin ha'mameisim u'chesed she'emes she'eno mitzape l'tashlam gemol. We don't expect, we don't hope for the reward. Eno mitzape, like we had in Vayeshev, Yoshiva mitzape, Masayovo. What do you mean? I don't expect. I don't, I don't want it. By all other chasadim, you're right. I do something for somebody who will never do something back. But do I wish I would get something back? Would it be good for me? Do I hope he changes his nature? Or do I hope he has a refu shlema? Of course I do. Halavai, he should do something back for me. So by all other chasadim, even if I don't think something, I'm mitzapel atashlam gemul. But by kvura, nobody's looking for that chesed. I'll take that chesed, but nobody's mitzapel atashlam gemul. They're going to get a gemul. That's true. But they're not mitzapel atashlam gemul. By all other chasadim, they are. If it's to a live person. By this one, nobody wants to be eulogized so quickly. Eno mitzape. Latashlam gmo. If we focus on Rashi's beautiful, magical words. Every word in Rashi is gold. If we focus on it, then we'll realize Rashi is answering both of our questions without our realizing it. Eno mitzape. Latashlam gmo. Okay. The last section of the, of the shir tonight, I wanted to devote to one question, which we have spoken about in the past, but hopefully we'll have a couple of new insights tonight. And that is something that we can relate to. Many of the minog, two famous psukim in this week's parsha, Perek Memches, Pasikhaf. Right? I'm not sure which one is more famous. Pasik Tezayin, Hamalach Agoel is in this week's parsha. But also we have Pasachaf, Vayavarachem, Bayomahu Lemar. Becha Yivarech Yisrael Lemar. In you, Yosef. In you and in your children. But Yisrael will bless their own, saying, Yisimcha Elokim Kephraim Bechemenashe. Vayaz Mesephraim Lefne Menashe. Okay, Ephraim went before Menashe, the switching of the hands. But the bracha that many of Jews, many of Chal Yisrael have the minuch to say every Friday night, or maybe even more, depending on where you're from, is Yisimcha Elokim Ke'Ephraim Bechemenashe. And the well-known question is, why do we pick the two of them? How about Yisimcha Elokim Ke'Avram Yitzchak V'Yakov? It's not good enough. Right? What do we say for a, for a female, for a girl? Yisimcha Yisimcha Elokim Ke'Sar Rivka Rachel Aleyah. Wonderful. Imahos. There's no question by the Imahos why. We know why, because they're the Imahos. But we don't have that by the Yavos. Why are they picked? Okay, you don't even want to pick the Avos. How about Yisim Chalakim Ki Yehuda Ki Yosef Freimu Menashe? Three answers, and that's what we have on our agenda tonight. Three answers. First, from the Yam Simcha, the Yam Simcha Rabbi Freed from Lakewood. V'yishla higher line line four. Amai Dafka Yevarchem Kain V'lo B'Shar Shvatim Oba Avos. Why? He says, based on an explanation that he heard on a previous Pasuk. 
Pater that we focused on before. Ephraim and Manasseh, Kirube Mishimon Yuli. They should be like Shvatim. What's the message of that Pasuk? Yes, they're like Shvatim that they got a Chelek in Eretz Yisrael and they'll have their own, their own uh, place on the Choshen. Okay. Ephraim and Manasseh, they're separate Shvatim. There's something deeper though in that Pasuk. What is it? Line 8. Diadua to Koldor Havigarua Beruchnius Mihadar Shalafanav. Every generation, as we say in Hebrew, Yuridas Hadoros. The decline of generations. We try to think about 100 years ago and 200 years ago, life was not perfect. But we believe in general, at least most Rishonim, I should say, believe in general, of a concept of Niskatnu Adoros, Yuridas Adoros, every door further from the source, from Maimon Harsinai, is distant and lower down. And Ikvis of the Meshicha, Ikvis of the Ekev, the ankle, from the bottom. Yes, the famous question, if Mashiach didn't come in the time of Rabbi Eger, what about in our generation? We just have to fill up the barrel with money. Every mitzvah is with money. So it's almost filled up. We just got to do a little more, a few more mitzvahs. Okay, the marshal given to explain. But the concept of Yerida Sadoros, generally. The Yaakov Ra'a. Yaakov sees his grandchildren and realizes there was no Yerida Sadoros. Ephraim Umanasheh, Kiruvain Bishimon Yuli. They jumped. They didn't go down. That's what Yaakov saw. Ephraim and Menashe, they're Zoche. Kiruvim Shimon Yuli. That's Yisimcha Lekim Ephraim and Menashe. So why do we say that in the Bracha? Because, as the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, a person in life is jealous of everybody except for his son and his student. Binovit Talmido. How I, my son, should outdo what I do, a father thinks. Yisimcha Elokim for Ephraim Manashe. Every Friday night, the father gives a bracha to his child. Outshine me. Don't have your ridos hadoros. You know, be greater than me. Right? Shine. Do it. The Zewabir, that's why Dafoe pick, because these are the two people that symbolize they didn't go down. They're now lower than their father Yosef. They're on par. Yisimcha Elokim, Kefraim Bechimanasha. You should have the bracha of not having you read the Sadoros. One. Number two. By the way, everything we say that we just said and now, these are what we like to call back pocket divrei Torah. Any Shabbos of the year, you can say this for Torah, because every Shabbos of the year, you give brachas. So whenever you have to speak at a simcha, this is a great message at a simcha. People sometimes email me which one is good for a simcha this week. Right here. Right, this one. Every Friday night, any Shabbat, any time, any day of the year. Right here. The child, the bar mitzvah boy should grow up. Right here. The, the bris. Unbelievable. Okay, that's number one. Number two. Number two, second shot by the Igrit the Kala. Igrit the Kala, the Bnei Yisachar's commentary a la Torah. Neisachar, as we know, was the nephew of the Noam Elimelech, one of the early Hasidic masters. So in the Igor the Kali, he quotes another pshat. The Yeshla his bonay. Dehine, Hagam. We'll we'll do his words. We could say it. In, it's it's a one liner, but we're going to see it, how he expresses it. Dehine Hagam shebircham bechilkam lebeishvatim keruvim b'shimon. He gave them brachas. He split them up. They have the status of two shvatim. 
Lama Yevarchu Yisrael's Benayim Rak Bahem. Why? Velo Yomri Simchalokim Kiruvim Veshimon Veshar Shiftei Yisurin. Find their Shvatim. So why don't we say Simchalokim Kishiftei Yisurin? Like all the Shvatim. Right? Why are they unique? Number one. And also, the ode, Lama Lo Amar Lael, earlier, he already gave them a bracha Hamalach HaGoel. It's as if he waited for the whole scene, there's five psukim in between, with the switching of the hands and giving Ephraim the right hand, and only then this pasuk is said. As if he couldn't say this pasuk. He couldn't make Ephraim and Menashe shvatim until after he did the switching of the hands and gave them the brachas. What exactly is going on here? And he quotes some Kabbalistic ideas, not fully Kabbalistic, but some deeper ideas. I gave you the commentary. My Igor Dekala has the commentary of the Hatsviva Hatzedek. You see on the bottom in source number 11 and 12, that's the commentary, as we'll do some of it. We've had Shiram on this in the past. All of the Torah is included in some deeper way, into in the Aseret Adibros. It's a Rashi. Rashi, in the end, of Parsha Mishpatim says it. Rashi quotes of Sadigon. I don't know how many times he quotes of Sadigon on the Torah, but that might be the only time. At the end of Mishpatim, that all of the Torah is included in the Aseret Adibros. you got to just figure out what? Well, Sigzol, there are categories. And then he goes one step further. In the footnote, in Ostalat, he quotes a number of the sources. But then even further, the entire Aseret Adibros, the root of it all, is the last deep word. Right, it's building up. Losachmod. Vahu, what's the message of Losachmod? Realize everything comes from Hashem and accept it. Everything. That's it. If I if I have the attitude of Losachmod, then I'm not going to be a false witness, and I'm not going to steal, and I'm not going to try to steal somebody's wife, and I'm going to keep Shabbos if I have the Losachmod attitude. So everything is in Aseret Adibros and everything is really in Mosachmon. The Hu line 13, To be misratzeh, to be happy with God's decrees, who didn't give me something that my friend has. Hashem knows what's best for me. As we know, and as we know, that's not the only item that's Mosias Adam in Olam. Taiven Kavin. Kavin, Gaiva. Says the Igratakawa. Before Yaakov Avinu was going to make Yaakov, Ephraim and Menashe into Shvatim, he wanted to give them a little test. So he'd switched the hands. He switched the hands, and now what? He wanted to look at Ephraim. Was Ephraim affected? The younger with the greater. Did he all of a sudden get a chip on his shoulder? Did he all of a sudden hold himself higher than his brother? And on the other hand, was Menashe jealous? Did Menashe have kinah? How did these brothers react with what I just did? Perfect! They didn't have kinah. They didn't have taiva. Now I can make them shvatim. That Ephraim and Menashe, Kiron Veshimon Yuliyaz Dafka said after the switching of the hands episode of Yaakov. Vihina Yaakov Avinu, Kasher Samis Ephraim Lefnei Menashe, Rav Ephraim Shalonis Ga'e Betuva, Rak Adarava, Vrua Menashe Shalonis Kane Ephraim. And that's why we say, Yisimcha Okim Ke Ephraim Vechem Menashe, because we want to wish our children that they shouldn't have such midos. 
You should be like Ephraim and Manasseh that don't have the kinna and the taiva and the covet. Said in another way, Ephraim and Manasseh were the first siblings in history that we know of that didn't fight. The first siblings, right? There's a book, Siblings Without Rivalry. Right here, they were the first ones. They could have, could have called the book Ephraim and Manasseh. Right? Cain and Havel, Yishmael and, and Yitzchak, Yaakov and Esau and the Shvatim. Right? We don't, okay, there was some, the, the famous brothers, the first ones. First ones, Ephraim and Manasseh, they didn't fight. We wish our children that they get along. Yisimcha Elohim Ephraim and Manasseh. We wish our children that they have the bracha of shalom, the bracha of no kinna, taiva, and covet between them. We're not going to go through the footnote, but feel free to do the footnote on line 12, on source 12, the footnote in the, in the Igrit Akala where he discusses kinna, taiva, and covet are parallel to the three avos nazikant of Shor, of Karen, Shane, and Regel, those who learned the first parak of Babakama, and Yosef is compared to a Shor, Bechar Shor Hadarlo, and these were his children, Feel free to go into source number 12. Third idea, third and final idea, though, for the evening. Why Kephraim Bechemenashe? Again, number one, because they jumped a generation. They didn't have Eurydos Adoros. Number two, they got along with each other. No Kina and Taiva. Number three. Number three was not said in this context, but we're going to bring it into this context. Says of Salvechik, the last source is quoted in Hare Kedem and the second Chalak. The Gemara Kedushan on Daflamit tells us, Amr Abishua ben Levi, Kal Malamed is ben ben Otora, Male alava kasev, Kilu kiblo me arsinai. Anyone who teaches Torah to his grandson, it's like a reenactment of Maimed Arsinai. It's unbelievable. Maimed Arsinai all over again. The grandfather learns Torah with a grandchild. And the Ramam quotes that. There's a special skula, there's a special idea about learning Torah with a grandchild. Even more, 13, Even greater. It doesn't say in the Gemara, if you want to talk with your son, it's like our Sinai. Only with your grandson. There's something special and unique about Talmud Torah with a grandchild. The problem, asks the Rav, asks Rav Salvation, is that the Rambam says clearly in Ilchus Talmud Torah that if you have a choice of son and grandson, Son comes first. Kishem shechayev adam lulmo lulamid es beno kachu chayev lulamid es ben beno. It's a just like, just like son. So too also your grandson. But lulamid es tavel beno. But why did it say vishinatim lulvanecha? Because your son comes first. If you only have enough money to pay for a t-shirt for your son or your grandson, you pay for your son. That's your primary chiv. Asks, and which shows that Tamatar to a son is greater. But we have all these unique chazals, like Kedush and Daflamid, that there's something unique about a grandson. Grandson or son? Says Rav Salvechik, we can answer based on the Ramban. The Ramban to Sefer HaMitzvos counts a separate losase that the Rambam does not count. One of the mitzvahs that he says the Rambam forgot. Says the Ramban, there's a mitzvah losase d'oraisa, never to forget the experience of Harsinai. Shenimnanu shlo nishkach maimed Harsinai. Velo nasir oso midaitenu. Never forget it. Avoyiu einenu belibenu sham kal hayamim. Velhizir penyasur min aleiv meodiyam levanim uluvnei vanim ludoros olam. That's what he says. 
passing over the experience of Harsinai. What do you see from the Ramban, says Rev Salvation? There are two elements of Torah that we have to give over to the next generation. Number one is Talmud Torah, information, Halacha, Mishnah, Gemara, the whole breadth and width of Torah, number one. Number two is the Harsinai element. The fire of Sinai, as Rav Aaron Solveitschik used to like to say. There's Talmud Torah per se, information, Mishnah, Gemara, Vechulu, and that is the experience, the passing the torch to the next generation. The Shalsheles HaMesora, the fire, the Jewish identity, the love. That's two separate ideas. Says Rev Salvechik, when it comes to type one, sun comes first. Talmud Torah, information, Mishnah, making siyumim, that's sun is primary. Vishinanta Bavanecha. Harsinai, that has to do with passing the torch to the next generation. That has to do with the continuity of the Jewish people. If I could jump and get it to two generations down, that's even more awesome. That's an even greater accomplishment. I'm not only passing it down to my son, but I'm even getting it to the next generation. It says that's, that's godless. Turning over the page. Son takes precedence over grandson. But the misora element, and that's why, what does the Gemara say? It's as if Harsinai is happening again. Because Harsinai was Misora. Moshe Kibal Torah Misinai, Umisora Yoshua. Don't you have a Linda? Umisora Yoshua. It's a more inclusive phrase. He passed the Misora, he passed the chain, the, the, the flame, the torch. Then he even quotes a story. Again, there's more here, but he quotes a story in the last paragraph. That in Brisk, one time there was a father and a son. There wasn't enough money to, to both of them to learn. So maker then the father has to learn. The father comes first, and then he'll teach the and then and then the son is secondary. Rabchaim Paskin the son. Why? Because he said the father, even if he learns, he's not going to have the power to pass it to the next generation. He's not going to have the Misora element. While the son, Rabchaim felt will have both elements. He'll be able to be collate the Talmud Torah and collate the Misora of the Torah also. If all this is true. Maybe that's the element why we tell our children the bracha that Yaakov gave. He was the first person to give a bracha to his grandchildren. The first person to have the relationship with his grandchildren. We wish we give the bracha to our children. I shouldn't only be zoche to be teach you Torah and to give you the Talmud Torah element, but you should carry the torch into the next generation. You should carry the Mesorah. You should, I should be able to be Zoka to give you the experience of the Asha Torah, the fire of Harsinai, the experience of Harsinai. That's what a father thinks about when he gives a bracha to his child at the 
every Shabbos. The emos are great too. We're just focusing on, on this issue now. You think all of this when he's blessing your daughters also. But these are three ideas to think about. Think about, number one, that they didn't have Yeridas Hadoros. Number two, there was no squabbling, there was no fighting. And number three, that grandchildren are the ones that carry on the tradition and we 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 die. It's really a tefillah when we give a bracha. It's a tefillah that we should be zochah to be able to pass the torch down. Okay, we'll stop here. Again, we're for Shalema, Avi Mori, Chaya Meir, Ben Sarashendel.